if you notice, there's a mark on the floor, so when they're doing the live stream, this pulpit is exactly in the middle of the room. Did you know that? Does anybody really care? <laughs> He's hiding me. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. Um, good move of the Spirit this morning. Hallelujah. And um, praise the Lord. I, I told my leadership, I said, when we were in the war room, I said, we're gonna, I'm going to probably shake some things up this morning. We're going to do some things differently. Uh, it's good to get out of our uh, habitual mode, I guess you want to call it, yeah. you know, our habits and doing different things like this. But I felt, felt the Spirit of God move this morning. So we're just believing for everything we prayed for. And just it, 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 the Spirit is here. And there's always to it. But sometimes we have to get out of the, um, the way of doing things and just listen to the voice of the Lord and let Him, let him conduct the service. That's kind of what happened a little bit this morning. But praise the Lord. Uh, but, um, oh, yeah, I got, I got a message. <laughs> it's, been, it's been interesting over the last, this will be the third week now, but over the last three weeks, God has been specifically giving me a message. Together, but he's been saying, he said, this is, uh, let this be a prophecy for the church, our church here, Covenant Word Church in Key West, for our people. And uh, give me different examples and different things that he wanted me to go through. So to, today is the same thing. The title of my message this morning that I'm going to get into uh, is basically contending for kingdom advancement. Contending. Now, you'll find several words in the Bible that refer to uh, contending, mostly contending of the faith. I'm going to cover some of them this morning. Uh, are we okay? Amen? And uh, so, so this is what it is. But how many know that God has chosen, you've heard me say this before, he chooses to co-labor with us. Religion has taught in, in years past that we sit by and whatever happens is what God wants to happen. And if you study the, the, the ministry of Jesus, that isn't what happened. Now I'll give you an example. I gave an example before. How many know when Jesus went and fed the 5,000? If you read the scripture, what he did, he told the disciples, the disciples said, let's send them home. Uh, it's getting late. Uh, let's send them home. There's no food. We need to get food. And he says, uh, and Jesus turned to the disciples and says, you feed them. Do you know the task was impossible, right? It's impossible. They, they didn't have the food with them. I said, so Jesus said, what do you have to give them? Uh, you know, in five loaves and two fishes, this is all we have for 5,000 people. That's 5,000 men, the Bible says. There could have been as many as 15,000 people there. And how are we supposed to feed them with such a meager amount? We have an impossible task. Jesus took the food, if you remember the story, he raised it to the Lord, he blessed it, and he gave it back to the disciples. It was the disciples' responsibility to take that meat and bread and pass it out. And as they're doing things, it was the miracle of God that began to magnify it and make it more than more than enough. Matter of fact, more than enough because they had 12 baskets left over, which was exactly three days portion for food for the next place they had to go for the disciples. So not only did he meet the needs of all the people there, he exceeded the need and also took care of the disciples three days beyond. Amen? So what did he do? He summons the disciples. You go ahead and you do the miracle. So basically the disciples were the ones that performed a miracle by their hands, but it was uh, God in heaven who caused it to happen. Amen. So God desires the same way. If you look all through, the, uh, that's how Jesus did things, plain and simple. Amen? And when he never, he never seemed to turn away uh, a challenge, is what I like about the Lord. Peter, they're in a storm. He walks across the sea uh, uh, defying all physics and, and, and gravity and everything else. He walks across the sea. Peter type pipes up <laughs> says, if it really you, bid me to come. One word from Jesus says, come, and Jesus get, or Peter gets out of the boat and walks towards Jesus. Now, I, I, I hear some people make fun of that, say, yeah, well, he, saw, he took three steps and sunk. He had to take more than that. Jesus was far enough away that they didn't know who he was. Amen. They said, if. They didn't know who he was. And when Peter sunk, Jesus was close enough to reach down his hand and pick him up. That's more than three steps, in my estimation. 
Praise the Lord. And say, so, yeah, he, he, tried to, he tried to do something impossible. No, he did it. It was only when he got focused on the storm is when he sank. He got his mind off of what Jesus had said, and he started reasoning with the things around him. We always get in trouble. We start reasoning away the things of God and what God has said. When we try to bring reason into the circumstances, into the position, is when we run into trouble. Amen? I'm going to read a couple of scriptures this morning, but there's, God showed me something. He says there's four. I shared this last night in our Harper and Bowl meeting. There are four things. I call them adverse winds to advancement. So four things are adverse winds. How many know what adverse winds would be? It's winds pushing against the forward motion. Back in the old days, when they, I was sharing this last night, when they had square rigger ships, you know, the big old ships like Columbus had and, you know, things like this, those ships were, were, were only, only able and designed to go more or less with the wind. So they had to go whichever way the wind was blowing. So they used to chart their courses and stuff according to which trade winds and different things coming across, and they would pick up those wind and currents. To get, from the, get off the dock, they would use the tides and stuff to pull them out. However, I used Rob and Cindy's uh, yacht that they got out there on the, on the base there. Uh, you know, those, they, they live on a yacht. Did you know that? <laughs> Big old. <laughs> okay. So, Rob, did you hear Rob? No, because he don't have a microphone, so I can make up anything he said. But <laughs> he's trying to downplay the yacht. But they, he's got a yacht. It's a big boat. They live it on the thing. I mean, come on. Anyway, uh, with the modern yachts, you can go actually go into the wind. Not straight into the wind. Of course, the, the sails is going to love. But if you get a, at the right angle, the wind pushing against the sail puts pressure. That's why they have stays, right? right? The mass puts pressure against the sail. And basically the keel that's in the uh, water puts it against the keel. And did you ever take a watermelon seed and squeeze it between your fingers? Yeah. What happens when you squeeze it? It shoots out. Well, that's kind of almost the type of principle where it sail, and it actually could sail against the wind. So don't be afraid of adverse winds. But adverse winds, when God showed me four things, he said disappointment, loss, criticism, and betrayal. Disappointment, loss, criticism, and betrayal. Four adverse winds that want to stop forward motion. The problem is with this, forward motion, if, if anything that stops a forward motion or is going forward it, uh, prohibits a lot of the blessings that God has for us on the other side. You understand what I'm talking about? All right. Um, so wherever I need to go in my spiritual life, if I'm advancing forward, I'm growing spiritually. As I'm growing spiritually, I'm better at hearing the voice of the Lord. I'm better at getting directions. I'm better at, at sensing his presence. And those are all things. So what happens if I take the adverse winds like disappointment, loss, criticism, betrayal, and meditate on those things, I somehow lose the ability to hear his voice. And those things captivate my mind and take position over everything else. So praise the Lord. Uh, that's not working or we don't need that? Oh, you're going you're gonna, to, okay, you're going to get personal. All right, praise the Lord. I'll give you a minute. I'm talking to my translator. I'm, okay. Are we, are we good? Yes. Okay. Praise the Lord. So um, I told her she gave me a hard time. I was going to talk real fast. But anyways, she didn't do it. I did that in Guatemala with Fernando one time, just te teasing him. He was my translator in, in Guatemala. And, um, and uh, he said, don't worry about it, Pastor. I'll just make up my own sermon. <laughs> he probably would too. But anyway, uh, praise the Lord. So disappointment, loss, criticism, and betrayal. I looked up the word contend, because I want to use that word this morning a little bit. Uh, things that contend against the faith, the things that push against us. I want to talk about them this morning a little bit. But the American Heritage Dictionary says it this way. Contend, the word contend means to strive in opposition or against difficulty or struggles. So that's what we're talking about. How many know as a believer you are facing struggles? Anybody? <laughs> Not just me, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. As long as we're serving Christ, how many know we're going we're to face struggles? 
The difference is the one who gets the victory over the struggles is the one that doesn't focus on them. Not led by them. Not letting the struggles consume our minds and our thoughts and everything else. It's when we can go ahead, and I'm not just talking about ignoring them, but overcoming them with the things that God has given us to overcome them, then we become an overcomer. Isn't it amazing how many Christians call themselves overcomers, but they get mad whenever they overcome something? It's like, I got the victory. Well, if you said you got the victory, well, good. Then you went through a battle. How come you complain about the battle then? Unless you lost sight of the victory on the other side. Then you got right to complain about the battle, I guess. I guess the battle can be scary, like it's going to take you out or whatever. But the fact is, if you look at the scriptures, we win. You can read the back of the book, and we win. Praise the Lord. Anyway, Jude chapter 1. Well, there was only one chapter in the book of Jude. Jude 1.3 says this. It says, Beloved, well, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. That's us. What Judah's saying, he said, you know what? He said, it's great that you're saved, and, uh, uh, but I just feel led by the Spirit, putting in my words now, to tell you and to exhort you, listen, contend for that faith. Why would we have to contend for something that's given to us freely? Unless there's something trying to steal it from us. Something that Christ has given us is now under attack as far as stealing something from us. Jesus said this in John 10, verse 10. He said, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his only purpose, but to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I came to give you life and life more abundant. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes we miss out on the abundance of life because we fail to see how God does that. And God does that through co-laboring a lot of times, and we're waiting for God to do something, and he's waiting for us to move. Amen. If Peter wanted to be a water walker, guess what he had to do? He had to get out the boat. <laughs> he had to get out of the boat <laughs> and actually walk on the water. But he sunk, and Jesus saved him. And then he says to him, now this is what he says. He says, oh, you of little faith. He didn't say no faith. He said little faith. In other words, Peter, work on that. <laughs> Are you here? He said, work on that. One word from Christ can elevate you to a place to where sinking isn't even a possibility. Even though it's a physical possibility, it's a you know, part of physics, a law of gravity, but Christ can overrule the physical ailment, uh, uh, physical things of this earth. When we look at that and understand that, we will begin to understand what God has asked us to do. He didn't ask us to do everything that we know. That's going off the tree of knowledge. Remember the garden? That's the wrong tree. If, you're, if you only do what you know to do, then that, you're only participating off that one tree that he told you to leave alone. That's a forbidden tree. What he told you, he said, no, he said, you can partake of the tree of life. So as we listen to the words of the Lord, the only thing that can happen to us is life. Not death, life. Eternal life comes by the way of the Lord, comes by the, from the words of the Lord. Correct? Yes. All right. Praise the Lord. You all right this morning? Yes. All right. So Jude is saying... I exhort you to contend earnestly for the faith. Earnestly, not just, not just casually, earnestly for the faith. Jesus says this in Luke 18. He says, talking about himself and the Son of Man. When you see the word Son of Man, Jesus is referring to his, his, his position as Messiah. Same thing with the, with the phrase Son of David. When you see that in the Scriptures, Son of David referring to Christ, he's, that's referring to his Messiahship. Okay? So Jesus is Messiah. As Jesus is Messiah, how many know Jesus is going to return? Well, he says he is, so he's going to return. He says in Luke, he said, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find, and it says, this is a New King James Version, when the Son of Man comes, I'm reading this as a quote, Luke 18, 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith in the earth? Jesus is not looking for your good works. He's not looking for all the things that you think you're going to get by on. He's looking for your faith. 
So the faith that we have has to be the roots of the good works that we do. Otherwise, you're just, there's, you know, Jesus doesn't look for that. He's looking for the faith. So what we end up doing and contending for. Now, I said all that. That's, that's the basic as far as individualism. How many know that Jesus says that we are members of the kingdom of God? How many know, know that you're part of a kingdom? We have a democracy here in this country, so it's a little bit different than the kingdom. A kingdom has a king. Uh, uh, matter of fact, what the word kingdom means, king's domain. So when we talk about the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, we're talking about heaven's domain or God's domain. God is king, his domain. So that's what we're talking about. So we're spiritually talking about uh, the domain uh, of that right there. So kingdom. So, so he talks a lot about, about the kingdom. I'll get into this in a minute. So now... If we're part of a kingdom, how many want to be part of the kingdom of God? Okay. Did you know that in a kingdom, a natural kingdom, you would have a specific job within that kingdom? Do you know that it would be your responsibility for the strength of that kingdom to do that job to the best of your ability to strengthen the kingdom? For instance... Um, if I got a kingdom, I'm going to talk about medieval times. This isn't God's kingdom, but in medieval times when they had the walls around the cities and stuff like that, and the king had the palace in the middle, he was protected by the walls. Well, it was somebody's job to close that gate. That's right. Right? If that person didn't do that job, there was no more king and there was no more kingdom. So the job, no matter how uh, mundane it seems, is pretty important, isn't it? So the very, the very idea that we, have, that we live in the kingdom of heaven, that means God has a specific purpose for us. You see, I'm a pastor of this church not because I went to school, got my degree and all this other stuff. That's nice to do that. Oh, should be well prepared and educated. I'm pastor of this church, matter of fact, for the last 33 years here in Key West. I'm pastor of this church because God has placed me here. Because I have seen impossible situations on this church just rise up above them. I, can't, I mean, we'd be here all afternoon if I'm just telling you some of the, just off the top of my head, all the things that God has done to intercede to keep this church alive. Would that indicate to anybody that this church is important to him? So if it's important to him, it better be important to me. Amen. Amen? If not, then he'll get somebody else who it is. <laughs> I work for him. He don't work for me. Okay, <laughs> so praise the Lord. But that's what it is. So we look at the positions. Paul said this. He said, it's foolishness to compare yourself amongst yourself. He said, it's not wise. So if I was a pastor that compared this church to other bigger churches and say, well, that church is bigger, so it must be more successful than this church here. I would get the idea from the tree of knowledge that that would be more successful, but I wouldn't get the idea from the kingdom of God. Because what's successful in the kingdom of God is not how big and how many people you can gather into a room to preach at them. What's important to God, are you doing what he said to do? Obedience is always on the top of the list as far as what we're to do. All right? I got, this, this is a scripture that has, has bugged me for years because of the wording. Uh, and I, I've gone over it, and I'm going to go over it again this morning. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. You can turn there if you want to. It says this. I'm, I'm on the kingdom kick here. We're talking about the kingdom and uh, how it advances forward and, and how we contend for the kingdom. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 says this. And from the day of John the Baptist until now, listen to the wording of this. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Good or bad? <laughs> the kingdom of God suffereth. That's the old English word. It means suffers, suffers violence. But the violent take it by force. And the very word violence and the, the idea of seizing all in my mind has a negative connotation to it that basically he's saying, no, there's an attack against the kingdom of God, and we have to warn him for the attack. But he says this, he says, no, he says, from the time of John the Baptist, okay, until now, the kingdom of God. So from the time of John the Baptist, well, what happened at the time of John the Baptist? 
John the Baptist was actually believed by some of the Jews to be the spirit of Elijah. And the spirit of Elijah, they believed, was going to come back to announce the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. So people believe that John the Baptist had that spirit and that the Messiah was being announced. People flocked. They did everything to get to John the Baptist to be baptized. Anything they could, because they knew at that way he was preaching, how he fulfilled the prophecies in Scripture, he's the spirit of Elijah, and basically the Messiah is going to come. The Messiah did come when Jesus stepped in the water and John baptized him. Reluctantly, but he did baptize him. And the heavens, the Bible says the heavens opened up. We don't see that in the English, but in the Greek, it actually means God just tore them open. It's the same word used in how he rent the rocks at the resurrection. He tore open the heavens, and those heavens have never been closed since. The kingdom of God suffered violence, and the violent takes it by force. In other words, there's nothing going to stop me. It's a good thing. There's nothing going to stop me. God loves it when we sit there and make a determination towards his kingdom and, the things, and towards his things like that. So he said, no, he said, this is a good thing. kingdom of God suffered violence. The word violence, I looked it up in the Greek, and the word violence means energetic. Amen. I kid you not, it means energetic. How many energetic people got here this morning? Yeah, aren't you glad now the spirit of religion didn't take over? Hallelujah. That's what it means. Violent. In other words, he said the kingdom of God suffers from energetic people. Amen. Energetic people that want right now what God has for them. Amen. And they're seizing the kingdom. That, now, may I suggest this morning that that mode right there in the ener- energized, energetic people, that's what's moving forward and advancing the kingdom of God. Amen. Not some old wait and see what happens type of attitude and theology. Well, I'm just going to sit here until Jesus comes and gets me. What's he going to do to you when he comes and gets you? So he comes and gets you. He takes you out of here. We go to heaven, three and a half year, three year uh, 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 banquet. Okay, then what happens? Well, read your theology. doesn't matter which theology, whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, whatever you are. Guess where you come back? Here. <laughs> See, you're in a hurry to get out of here. So you can spend some time with Jesus and come back here. (laughs) Isn't that great? So the people that are trying to get out are going to be in a shock. Instead, what we tend to look at here by the scriptures is that we are in heaven right now, and heaven is here right now. Because of the open heavens, heaven is also right here. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is at hand. That means it's in within reach. As close as your neighbor is to you. That's how close the kingdom of God is. Because when Jesus stepped in the waters of baptism and the Father ripped open the heavens, that ceiling that was there is no longer. Now the angels can pass to and fro as the vision was given to the prophets, could pass to and fro from the Father as needed. You remember when Jesus ascended, he didn't have to... Uh, you know, sin die and then have his spirit rise up. No, no, he's alive. Resurrected body. Not recreated, resurrected. Amen. Still has the, no, the holes in his palms. And what happens? He says, I'm about to leave. Why? How could he do that? Nothing holding him back. God, your father has opened up the heavens. And he sat at the right hand of the father. Are you here? Now, I want to give you some keys um, to do this. You know what I didn't do? I didn't come on. You time in back there? I forgot to put my timer on. Was that a yes? Okay. Yeah? Okay, you got me time? Okay. Tell me if I talk too much. I got enough notes here to be here next Tuesday. But anyway, okay, anyway. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, where did I leave off? Yeah. Uh, huh? Keys to advance. Giving us the keys. Keys, okay, to advance. Wow, somebody was listening to me. I got one person listening to me. <laughs> well, you can smile, you're in church. Yeah. Amen. This is, this is relatively painless yeah. compared to a lot of other things we could be doing. <laughs> praise, praise the Lord. 
Paul says this to Timothy. I love this. He says, 1 Timothy chapter 6. You can jot down the scriptures. I've got a bunch of them, so you can jot them down and look at them later if you want to, but, uh, or just listen. 1 Timothy 6.12 says this. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Now, there, there we are. We're fighting. Did you know there was a battle? Oh, okay. You, you didn't know? <laughs> or you did know? He says, lay hold onto eternal life. Wait a minute. I thought we just kind of, it just kind of happened. And why is he telling Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy, he says, fight the good fight of faith. There's something we're supposed to fight? Okay, fight the good fight of faith. Why is it a good fight? Every good fight is when you win. Amen? He says, lay hold of the eternal life to which you are called and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then listen to this. Paul says in 2 Timothy, this is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The struggles we go through, I put this in my notes, the struggles we go through in life makes us perfect candidates for contenders. Because we're not willing to give up on that faith. We're not willing to give up on things. I've been serving God. I've I've been saved since 1976. February 29th, 1976, I made a decision to serve God. My first pastor, it was in 1987. I started, I pioneered a church after I was under another pastor. Uh, they, they laid hands on me and sent me out. And I started my first church in 1987 in Boynton Beach, Florida. In 1990, I started the church here in Key West, Florida. And from here, God says, I'm going to give you an international ministry also. From here, I flew all around the world out of Key West Airport uh, in connecting flights, of course. But I mean, to, to West Africa, to uh, Central America, South America, and has preached around the globe from this little church right here. This is why you got to be careful on judging things by its size. Amen. Amen. There was three men mentioned in the Bible, Peter, James, and John. Jesus gave them the name. They didn't come up with their own name. It, didn't, it wasn't a man club. Three, three men, Peter, James, John, and they called them the sons of thunder. <laughs> now, what kind of preacher do you have to be <laughs> for Jesus himself to call you the sons of thunder? More miracles were done by these guys. I mean, they upset all of Jerusalem. Can you imagine a city the size of Jerusalem? They had all Jerusalem upset. Paul says this. He says in 2 Timothy, he says, but the Lord stood with me. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4, 7, still on that one. I fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith is what Paul says. In other words, I didn't falter. I didn't quit. I didn't get bored and do something else. I I didn't stop serving the Lord. I kept on doing this thing. Okay? And And then he says in verse 17 of the same chapter, this is what I wanted to get to, he said, the Lord stood with me, strengthened me, so that the message might fully be preached fully through me, And that all the Gentiles, because Paul was sent to the Gentiles, that's us, all the Gentiles might hear also was delivered out of my mouth. Now, set all that to flip it over to Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, brethren, I do not count myself, this is Paul again, I do not count myself as having apprehended, but the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Do you have that? Forgetting those things which are behind. Jesus said it this way. He who puts his hand to the plow. You got the picture out there in the foyer. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Can I tell you this morning what God has been showing me this week? He's closing the door to your past and locking it. The church is not going back. It is going forward, which is the inspiration for this message this morning. We're moving on forward to the things we are wanting to do. So when God woke me up at 3 o'clock this morning, he says, I want you to go into praise and worship. He said, I want your praise to be a weapon. He said, I want you. He said, there are many that are under depression, heaviness, uh, that, that, that have given up, they have quit. And, and he says, I want you to break that stronghold off them through your praise. Amen. I came in and... I, I, I've, been, I've been praying ever since through this morning. I came into the war room. I shared it with the leadership. I said, this is what we're going to do. Oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? No, no, what about nothing? This is what we're going to do. I clean the slate. I'll open the service this morning. 
okay? And this is, this is what led up to this, because this is what he says. He says, forgetting those things which are behind. Interesting, because you jot this scripture down and study it for yourself. Acts chapter 22, verse 4. Paul says this. This is Paul's past. He says, I have put many men and women in prison and death. You realize that when Paul was converted and he had that encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, that all peace came upon the church? In other words, the turmoil that the early church was going through was created by Paul. He was the, he was the persecutor. He said, I put many in prison, men and women. I put many to death. Men and all, he stood there and held the coat for Stephen when they stoned Stephen to death. That was Paul. Here, now he's saying this in the, to the church of Philippi. Brethren, I don't count myself as apprehended. No, I don't know everything that's going on. But one thing I do, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. Can you imagine if Paul hung on to that and said, there's no hope for me. What am I supposed to do? I'm hopeless. I, I've murdered these good people and I've killed them. I, I, I've, left, I've left children fatherless and motherless. Because of my zeal towards religion. That's all it was. Towards religion. And it's caused me to murder these people. Can you imagine if he hung on to that? He said, no. He said, I'm moving on from there. I don't care what your past is this morning. You got to move on from it. I said, you got to move on. God is going to shut that door and lock it. You're not going to find his will in your past. You won't. You're going to find it in the future. Because God has a future for you. Jesus had done the work so he could erase your past and my past. So even as a church, I'm doing, I've been doing a good work here in Key West for the last 33 years. doesn't matter. God wants a better work. We haven't yet begun to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in the city. Have you seen this city? <laughs> Have you seen this place? Are you kidding me? God wants a presence here. And he's calling this church to be his presence here. We can't worry about, well, you know, other pastors have tried this before, and I've watched 100 pastors leave this town. I have, seriously, uh, uh, given up and tried to start a work here, couldn't start a work there, and on, on, on. It doesn't matter. God wants a presence here. He gets what he wants. And if you won't give him what he wants, he'll get somebody who will give him what he wants. He's a deity. He doesn't have any lacks or deficiencies. <laughs> we have those things. <laughs> are we here this morning? I'm forgetting those things which are behind, I press towards the mark. Press, he, says, he says, I reach forward to those things which are ahead. Press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call, call of God in Christ Jesus. There's an upward call, and he calls it a prize. Isn't a prize something we really want? I mean, if you go out and buy a lottery ticket, I'm not saying that, I don't condone it, but I mean, you go out and buy a lottery ticket, aren't you expecting big wings at the other end? In other words, you want your measly little dollar to turn into millions? Huh? Isn't that what you're looking for? Otherwise, just save your dollar. <laughs> go buy a pack of gum or something. The fact is, what, you know, because you're looking for a prize. Why do you want to be saved? Did you ever ask yourself why you want salvation? And what you're going to do with it once you get it? Amen. Oh, come on, Pastor. <laughs> Have we ever asked these questions? Well, I want to be saved. Why do you want to be saved? Well, I don't want to go to hell when I die. That's all the only reason you want to be saved? So you're going to skip out on all heaven's presence here just so you don't have to burn? So you want fire insurance. One policy, fire insurance. I'm not putting anybody's name on it. <laughs> huh? Is that, think about that. Well, what else is there? We just wait until Jesus comes by. That's not what Jesus said. 
He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's an assignment. He said, cast out devils in my name. That's an assignment. And there is not one scripture, not one, that has canceled the assignment. If the scripture doesn't cancel the assignment, man doesn't have the authority or the power to cancel the assignment ever, ever. So as far as we're concerned, well, you, you could suck at the whole thing. You could be lousy at it. It doesn't matter. Well, I laid hands, I don't see nothing happen. So, it doesn't give you the right to write a new doctrine. Get better at it. Because Jesus doesn't change the assignment. Do you notice when he went to feed the 5,000, Jesus didn't change the assignment because it seemed impossible to them. He didn't change the assignment. He says, you feed them. What did they have to do? They had to feed them. But it's impossible. Didn't change the assignment. Hallelujah. Thank you. I feel better now. <laughs> I had to get that out before it backed up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Forgetting those things which are behind, Paul says, I'm going for that prize. He says, many, listen to this, therefore, let us, as many are mature, have this mind. And if there's anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it even to you. Notice he's saying, he's saying, have this mind in Christ that we're moving forward. It doesn't matter what you feel like. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You could, you could stink at being a Christian. Just don't quit at being a Christian. Thank you, Raphael. Don't, think, don't, 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 don't quit. Just keep pushing forward. Listen to me. Religion taught you that when you're a Christian, you go out and sin, you lost your Christianity. And sin is the problem. I read the Bible where Jesus has paid the price for sin. Sin is no longer the problem. The problem is you quitting and giving up on Christ and turning from him. That's the problem. So, well, I made a mistake and I did wrong. Welcome to the club. Big deal. Then go back and make it right. It's called living in righteousness. And we do. We go from one mistake back to righteousness. We go to another mistake. We say we're sorry. Another mistake. And so, oh, God, forgive me. And guess what? He does, and he does, and he does. Because all we get to do to him is just say, I do. You see, you got to understand something. Look at it from God's perspective. The whole world is going to hell. Can't help it. Going there. Little babies that are born grow up. If they don't do something about it, they go to hell. Jesus comes and stops them from going to hell by believing on him. That's it. That's it. And we show our belief, we show our, our, our love, we show everything. We come together as a church to show our love, because this is what he said for us to do, to show our love to him, we obey that command. Okay, uh, to, to, we, we pray, why? Because we want fellowship with the Father, because we want to stay close to him. I never want to be guilty of, of, of expelling anything God has done for me. And this has become a part of my life where this becomes the most important. This becomes more important than a job. This becomes more important than a house. This becomes more important than more money. Amen? I've been blessed and I've been abased, Paul said. Well, I've been abased more than I've been blessed. <laughs> but the fact is, that one thing I do not want to let go, I don't never want to let go of what Jesus did. It cost him a lot for him to pay. So you know, when he was on that whipping post and his back was shredded to nothing but bare bones, he did that so you could be healed and I could be healed so we wouldn't have to go through pain and sickness. When he was nailed to the cross, he did that so we would never have to see a, a, a curse come upon us. We'd never have to live a curse on this earth or go to hell where his final judgment happens. Hell was never designed for God's people, ever. Ever. And you can't work your way out of it. You can't, all you can do is receive Christ. Well, there's my salvation message for this afternoon. But the fact is, when you do, you become a member of the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is moving forward all the time. It's continually moving forward. It's continually advancing. Are you here? <laughs> you had recited it in religious churches all your life. You have said what we call the Lord's Prayer. By the way, it's mistitled because it deals with sin. Jesus never had any. Okay? The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
We say the words, do we know what we're saying? Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just as it is where? Heaven. Jesus came, opened up the heavens, and connected the two places. Heaven now is in earth, and earth is now is in heaven. They're connected with the both. And guess what? The Father listens to us day and night, and he, he never sleeps or slumbers. He listens to us. And guess what? He, we have that implemented on our life all the time. Amen? We're advancing the kingdom of God because that's what belongs. And we do belong here. We belong in this planet. We belong. Our influence, and I say our, I'm talking about Christians. Our influence belongs in the schools today. It belongs in this world today. Stop trying to escape it. We have the answers. We've got the wisdom from the Heavenly Father that no man can have without Him. Amen. And it needs to be used. Not forced, but used. Praise the Lord. What happens when somebody doesn't have an answer and they need an answer by tomorrow? They're going to listen to somebody with an answer, aren't they? Yes. Hallelujah. That's where we come in. Praise the Lord. The kingdom of God is an invisible reality of God's dominion. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. There is first, if there is first a, a continuation or a continuation, there's a, then there, the second is an advancement. Amen? Praise the Lord. Are we, are we here yet? Okay. How many more minutes? I got, I got one more thing to share. Have I got enough time? Four minutes I got? I can do it. I can do it. I, I shared this once before, but Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. This, this was an eye-opener to me a couple of weeks ago, and then just again this week, God showed me some other things. In Hebrews chapter 5. Now, the book of Hebrews, technically, uh, they don't know who the author is. However, many experts and Bible scholars believe Paul was the author of it, and so do I. Only because of the language and how he speaks matches up with a lot of other, other epistles and stuff that he wrote. Whoever wrote it, God wrote it by his hand. It's still scripture. It's still truth. We're going to accept it. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12 says this. I'm, so I'm going to use Paul, saying Paul said this. He said, for those, by this time, you ought to have been teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Now, when he says milk, it's an allegorical thing. Uh, milk of the word comforts. We all need that every once in a while. And the meat of the word advances, grows us. Okay, so the so advancement. So he's saying, he's saying, by now you should be teachers, but you're having somebody to need teaching over you. Well, look this up. Basically, this happened when, when Hebrews are written. This was 25 to 30 years after the day of Pentecost. Everybody know what happened on the day of Pentecost when God poured out his spirit? 25 or 30 years, they have gotten mulled over and they fell fallen asleep at the switch. And Paul comes in now and rebukes them. Now listen to him. He says, by this time. He doesn't say what time, but he says, hey, surely by now you should be teaching people, not needing one to teach you again with milk. In other words, you're having need milk and you should be at the point. So there, there was a place where Paul was marking and holding them accountable for their own growth. It wasn't held back by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't held, Revelation wasn't held back by God. It was held back by their own inefficiencies and deficiencies of moving forward and hungering after these things. Yes, sir. Amen? And so that, that's what it came down to. Amen? To live a life that's conscious of God all right, is the foundation for wisdom. Always understand that. To live a life that's conscious of God all the time is, okay, a, is the foundation for wisdom. When we, st and we, we need, I, I put this in my notes, I, I like this. One. We got to stop living in reaction to the devil. I've seen churches, they're all impressed with what the devil's doing. He ain't nothing. Praise the Lord. Amen. I shared with stories in Africa and stuff like that and uh, how the witch doctors were trying different things, and they just got frustrated with me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I frustrated them. They didn't frustrate me at all. But it, it, it's, it's a bunch of nonsense. Understand something about witchcraft and, 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 and demonic stuff. It is a carnal religion, the Bible calls it. So it's carnality. Yes, 
So the spirituality that we have, over it trumps this carnality of the religion. Basically, we just serve, keep on serving God. Why is people so impressed with the devil? I have no idea. But he loves it when you are. Me? I don't hardly give him. People are under the impression that the devil is a lesser or an evil version of God. Let me change your thinking around right now. That ain't even close. The devil was a fallen angel. Are you here? He's a fallen angel who was created by God. He is not in the same class as God. He's lied to you. <laughs> He's not even close. He's not even in the same hemisphere or universe. <laughs> One word from God, and he could be gone. So why doesn't he? Because he's given that job to us with his authority. Are we <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Are we still here? Okay. Are we okay? All right. So where does the church stand? This is the responsibility of the church, being part of the kingdom of God. This is where we advance, not against Satan's kingdom. Satan can call it a kingdom. He can call whatever he wants. He's a fake, a fraud, and a phony. Well, wait a minute, though. The sin is real. Yeah, the sin is real. All he puts is an idea in your head. You carry out the rest. The real is within you. And the same real that's within you can be the real Holy Spirit within you to rise up against it. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen? But just remember, when we're comfortable is when we tend to get in what Paul was telling the Hebrews, by now you should have been teachers. I've actually watched ministers in the ministry that had, well, had a lot going for them, a lot more than I had going for me, uh, that were, I used to look up to them in respect. And um, now I doubt if they could preach a sermon, a uh, basic uh, getting saved sermon. Amen? Where I watch God, every week he pours in revelation to this church and pours in revelation. Uh, and the more he does, the more hungry I get towards him. If we keep that hunger, God will oblige. The Heavenly Father will oblige. Amen? Always understand this. Jesus said it with his own mouth. He says, in that day, in other words, the day I ascend, he says, you'll ask of me nothing. He says, but you'll ask the Father in my name. It's important to understand that because people are praying to Jesus, they're praying to Mary, they're praying to everything but what Jesus told them to pray for. Pray to the Father. And what happens is the carnal side of us wants to bypass that relationship with the Heavenly Father and it breaks the Heavenly Father's heart because he did all this so he could welcome us back into his fold. I'm a father so I know what it feels like when your kids, you know, are pushing you off or don't want anything to do with you. Are you here? And they'd rather do other things and listen to the witherism of their friends and all this other stuff over their father which has already lived it and has the wisdom for them. Heavenly Father is saying, hey, why are you asking a statue? Why are you doing this? Why are you figure, trying to figure this out yourself? Hmm. When I, Jesus told you, he said, don't even ask me. Ask the Father, but use my name. That's the authority. The Father has the goods. The Son has been given the authority, and we've given, he's given us the rights to use the authority. Help anybody in this morning? <clears throat> that came out a little different later than I planned on, but this whole service has been different than what we planned on this morning, so we just let God do what he's going to do. I pray this morning that you did get blessed this morning. This was our, this was our intent. Uh, our intent was not to uh, do anything to, to, to disrupt, what, but, but to, to come in and uh, set people free. I look at the, more and more as we come into the end times. Somebody's heard that phrase, we're in the end times. Uh, more and more as we do, um, I hear the Lord saying things and giving instructions. I hope, and I'm going I'm to move with what the Lord has done. I've been able to live here in Key West for 33 years and do this ministry full-time. I've never had a job here. I've done this full-time for 33 years. This is what I've done, only because the Heavenly Father has allowed it. I built a, the, the daycare that we have next door 
was the Heavenly Father coming and telling me. He says, I want you to build a, a daycare. He said, I want you, or didn't say daycare. He said, an academy, um, a, a school. Uh, and at its purpose, I said, what's the purpose of it? Um, and he said the purpose of it was the restoration of families. Key West really needs restoration of families. I don't know if you've noticed it. We, if you're not, we, can show, we can take you for a tour any given day when we have kids over there. We have kids that are part of protective services. We have kids that are being raised by mothers with no fathers, fathers with no mothers, grandparents with no parents. Okay, all kinds of background. And what we want to do is give them the resources and give them the help. And this is what, why we did it for restoration. God is into restoration, restoring things. He's not into destroying things. Amen. Amen. The devil comes to t steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I came to give life and life more abundant. You want to get more truth, stay away from that tree of knowledge of good and evil. And get. And I'm not saying you're supposed to be ignorant or stupid. I'm saying, but, but don't rely, let me change my phrasing. Don't rely upon that tree of knowledge of good and evil. Rely upon the tree of life. That'll give you more wisdom than you can imagine. Amen? So, and we'll all try to figure this out together. Because <laughs> nobody has a complete answer. And that's by design. God isn't saying, but I didn't get into Noah and stuff like this. You know, Noah built an ark for 100 years and didn't even know what an ark was? He didn't even know what rain was. <laughs> How would you like to work on a 100-year project? And you don't know what it is that you're building. <laughs> and you don't know what's going to happen at the end. But he did it because God said to. God holds things back. Why? You know what happens as well as I do. God gives a glimpse of what he's going to do in detail. Somebody's going to write a book and make a fortune. And in the meantime, let the devil know exactly what the plan is for the church. So God is going to have. Learn, listen, Christian, my parting phrase, learn to live with some mystery in your life. But understand yes. and trust the Father. He knows what he's doing. Amen. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. We are keeping the water, we are keeping the baptisms, of, we, we, are, we got water in this thing. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> but we, we continually keep the baptistry in tune. We have found out starting last May that um, people will come and... Um, will want to get water baptized, we're, we're ready for that. Anybody wants to get water baptized, for a reason. We're using it to, uh, to, God may speak to your heart, this is what's happened, this is what we've seen in the past. Uh, just, I don't know, the Lord just spoke to me, I need to get water baptized, good, we got some clothes here, we can help you out, you know, and we'll, we'll get you in the waters on that same Sunday. Uh, Janissa was one of them, she was uh, uh, doing... She was here, and she and, and the Holy Spirit was moving on her and moving on her, and, and, and she says, uh, I'm going to get water baptized. I'm good. I set her up. Let's go. <laughs> we literally went from the doorway where she's on her way out, back here, into the water of baptism. She was baptized. God changed her life. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it's, it's great. We've had, so I just let you know that is ongoing. I have not ended that. We're keeping that going. It's, it's, it's ready. Uh, the deacons get a hell, they, they drain it out and fill it up and keep the water fresh and everything else is, is good. And, of course, when we baptize somebody, we drain the old man right out there in the gutter. <laughs> Never to be seen again, praise the Lord. But just so, you, just so you know, Father, we praise you, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for these people that patiently listened to this message this morning. I thank you, Lord, for all the things you have done, moving on our hearts for praise and worship. The fruit of our lips be a sacrifice of praise unto you, Lord. Take what we've given this morning, Father God, we ask you to, uh, to, to, to take it as an offering to you as a show of our love and adoration towards you. And we do, we do. Father, we love you. And let, and let us never depart. Let us never be a grievance to you ever. Father, in Jesus' name, we praise you. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said in agreement. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you.